Cool. All right, well, let me get myself situated here. I, uh, you know, I was thinking about today uh, a lot, obviously, all week I was preparing. Um, didn't start really crying until yesterday, and today, uh, just thinking of the goodness of God, because uh, we're going to be continuing our series predecided, as you can see, but uh, I'm going to be talking about overcoming temptation, and, uh, and truthfully, it's, uh, let me make sure I have my little ticker here, here we go. Um, sin wants to destroy your life. And, and what was really hitting me this morning is the decision that I made when I was 22 years old to follow Jesus. I never thought I'd be standing here sharing the word of God with you, dedicating my children to the Lord. Because if you remember my story, you know, when I gave my life to the Lord, it was at the, the coattails of a suicide attempt. I was done. I didn't want to live anymore. And then Jesus called me by name. He gave me a purpose. And uh, I never in a million years thought I would be a girl dad. Never thought I'd be leading worship at a church with you find people. Never thought my family would be here today. Um, you know, when there was some times my family has always been so faithful, but there were times I was very difficult to love. And my relationship with my family was not the strongest it could have been. And yet they're here today. And so I just want to give God glory for that. I just want to honor my family for being here. So, now I'm going to try to preach a message. So, will you guys pray with me slash for me? That would be great. Lord, we just thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for the word of God. Lord, help me deliver this message and help me release what you've put in me. Uh, Father, I thank you that someone here needs to hear that there's freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so overcoming temptation. Sin wants to destroy you. That's an intense statement. It's true. How many of you know that there's an enemy? The enemy's job on the earth is to destroy your life as quickly as he can. Why? Because he knows his end is coming. He doesn't want you to do what God's called you to do. And so what I'm hoping to to communicate today is that God has freedom for us, which we're going to look quickly. And before I talk about temptation, we're going to talk about sin. Because you need to understand, temptation is just the enemy tempting you to go for something less than what God has for you. Temptation is the thing that the enemy uses to destroy our lives. And I say our lives because here's the thing. All of us deal with temptation. Now, I want to ask a question of, the, of, of you guys. If you guys, would you be willing, I know you don't know what I'm about to ask, but would you be willing to be bold with me this morning if I asked something of you? What are you going to ask? Uh, no, simple thing. Uh, listen, would you be willing to raise your hand if you could say that you personally know somebody whose life has been destroyed by sin? If you know someone whose life has been destroyed by sin. So I just want to take a moment. Can you look around? Keep your hands We have an issue, right? Sin is a destructive thing. You see, when I was living in my sin, you know, I kind of lived a great life. I I, I was raised by my my dad and my mom, and, you know, they pretty much worked hard most of their life. So I spent a lot of my time with my grandmother, and I had a lot of conviction as a a young kid of, like, I don't want my grandmother to kill me if I get in trouble. That was the the compass of my life. I don't want my name to be on on the papers. Um, And... But here's the thing, there came a point in my life where I had to decide where I was going to live my life, the decisions I was going to make for myself, and when I was 20, 21 years old, I started making some very poor decisions. I started indulging in sin. I didn't know it was sin because I wasn't a believer in Jesus, but I was just doing everything you can think of sin, and I know where my life ended up. It ended up in depression, suicidal thoughts, I hated who I was, I was not happy, I was empty. I found out very quickly that sin never satisfies. You guys with me so far? 
put this thing on here. There we go. So let's look at a couple things real quick. Romans 9, 1 and 4 and 9. I kind of broke these up. I just want to make a quick point. Here's the truth. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. You belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Everyone say, I'm free. I'm free. You've been set free. So that's the, that's the basis of where we want to go. When it comes to resisting temptation, you're free because of Jesus. Verse 4, he said, He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us. For who? For us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. This is a choice. We're no longer following the flesh. We're no longer looking to gratify the flesh. We're going to follow what Jesus has for us. Verse 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Earlier he was saying, you know, we once were controlled, but he's saying you, everyone say me, Me. are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're not controlled. You don't have to copy me anymore. It's okay. (laughs) Sorry. Misleading. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. You need the Spirit of God in you to overcome temptation. That is the truth. Sin is a decision we make. It's, it's no longer you are bound and I just can't do why, I, you know, there's a verse where Paul's like, I do what I don't want to do and what I want to do, I can't do. But you've got to keep reading. You've got to keep reading because he says, well, now I'm free. Now you've got to go back into Romans 8 and keep reading. Don't just read Romans 6 and 7 and stop because it's very sad. Romans 8 is the completion of the, of the storyline. But sin is a decision we make. We need to know that. There's freedom in that. Now make no mistake, it's our decision, but let me get... Just something out clear. There are some people who deal with bondage. And you feel like, listen, I've been trying so hard to be free, but I can't get free. Listen, there's freedom for you, and it's the Holy Spirit living in you. Maybe you just need a touch from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you in Scripture where Jesus went through this. But there's freedom for you. Amen? You guys want freedom? All right. That's good. We're going to hang on to that. You know, you got to remember, 1 John says, if we say we have no sin, we're a liar. So we're all on equal playing field. That's why I wanted everyone to raise their hand at the beginning. So we realize this is an issue we're all dealing with. We need each other. There's freedom for you. Temptation's not a sin. Is anyone hearing this for the first time? How do I know that temptation is not a sin? Because Jesus was tempted and he did not sin. Not once. And he was tempted, the Bible says, in every single way. So you have a God that has been tempted in every single way. You have a God that can get in the trenches with you and understands your story. Every single way, yes. He bore all of sin on the cross. There is no one in this room that has bore the amount of sin that Jesus did on that day of Calvary. And then he died, took that sin to the grave, killed it, rose from the dead, set you free, and it's now no longer I who live, but it's now Christ who lives in me. The old is gone and the new has come. You are set free. You're a new creation. So no, you can't do it. Because remember, my family's here. They know my life. They know what my life looked like when I was 21. I lived with my aunt. She knows the decisions I was making at 22 years old. I was not a free man. I was in destruction. I was destroying my life one decision at a time. So pre-decide, what decision are you going to make when temptation knocks at your door? Do you know the enemy wants to destroy you? Let's talk a little bit more about what is temptation, though. How does it find room in us? James 1, 13 and 14 says, When we're tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. 
You guys ever seen this picture of like feeding a little monster? I'm not talking about your children. (laughs) The idea of sin is it's a little thing. It doesn't start. You know, the enemy doesn't come to a married man and say, leave your wife. That's not how he starts. He says, you can look. Or he starts with, you can click that website. Hey, it's okay to lie to your spouse. There's these little seeds that become little monsters that when you continue to feed that thing, look what happens. When it's fully grown, it ends in death. Do you know that the enemy is looking to destroy our families, our lives, our legacies, our children? He doesn't just want you. If you're a father in this room, he wants your children. And he wants your children's children. There's freedom from this thing called sin, but you need to know That's why we're spending a little bit of time. You need to know that this is a war that we need to defend against. So let's take a look at the life of Jesus. This is kind of where I'm going to be hanging out for a little bit because we need to know that we're in good company and being tempted and we need to know that there is a person named Jesus who overcame all temptation. How many of you know that Jesus is called the second Adam? Right? Do you know why that is? It's because Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden. And guess what? Adam and Eve were deceived in the garden. And because of that sin, all of our lives dealt with this thing called sinful nature. But don't live there. Don't get stuck in like, yeah, we're just sinners with a sinful nature. No, there's freedom by the blood of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit to be set free. But look at what Luke 4 says. It says, then Jesus, who was what? Full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. He was then tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at the time and was very hungry. He was full of the Spirit. Now, you guys know at this time, Jesus was just baptized in water by John. If you read the book of Luke and you read the book of Matthew, you can see the accounts of this. It says, he went under the water, he came up, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Next verse, chapter four. Then led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted. Why would God send Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted? you got to ask the question. And is it okay if I share what I think for a minute? I'd love to hear what you guys think. I just can't hear it all right now. But what I think is that it's very important as a believer. You get baptized in water. You know, we saw some baptisms last week. You come up from that water, your new creation. You need to now learn how to defend what just happened in you. You need to learn how to overcome the one who is now set out to destroy you because you made a decision to follow Jesus. And now the enemy's like, uh-oh. You know, the, Some people say, hey, before I was saved, I had no issues with the devil. Yeah, because he had no issues with you. He had no issues with us when we weren't in the kingdom of light because we weren't going to do anything that would destroy his works of darkness. But now that you have given your life to Jesus, the enemy's like, I gotta take him out. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, had to protect what the Lord said about him, and it was that this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. If you look into, I already said that, Satan attacks when we're weak. Here's the thing. Let's go back to this real quick and look at this. 40 days of no food. You think he's tired? You think he's weak? You think he's beat down? You think he's struggling? That is when the enemy comes to you. He doesn't come when you're strong. He doesn't come. He'll come, but it's easy to flick away uh, a lie when you're just in so much truth. But Jesus is completely uh, just atrophied, just has not eaten any food. 40 days. Has anyone fasted here before? Try to fast? For, for a week? Has anyone done a 40-day fast in this room? Come on. You know what it feels like. <laughs> you know, it's death. It's, you're putting your, your flesh to death. This is when the enemy comes to tempt Jesus. 
Continuing on in Luke 4, it says, The devil then spoke to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people must not live on bread alone. So here's the interesting thing. The temptation here for Jesus isn't to eat food. Right? It's not to eat bread. The bread is not the thing that Satan's after. Satan's after what God spoke to Jesus. Are you really the Son of God? Prove it. That is where the enemy is after. He's after what God has called you to be. Because Satan wants to convince us that we aren't who God says we are. You guys understand this reality that God has spoken something over your life. When you decided to follow Jesus, he gave a calling and a purpose over your life. And the enemy does not want you to live it out. Why does the enemy work so hard to destroy us on this earth? You know, when... When the enemy is tempting Jesus here, do you want to know why he's attacking Jesus so hard? He knows if Jesus does what he's supposed to do, Satan's done. He's done. He's trying everything he can to stop Jesus in his tracks. As you continue to see on here, though, we're going to see he can't. He can't stop him. After Jesus rebuked him, he said, the devil then took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Because I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine, to give to anyone I please. I will give it to you if you would just worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan wants you to worship him. Because if you don't worship Jesus, you're just serving the kingdom of darkness. And and the truth is, is that anytime we're bound in sin, anytime we're giving into the things of the flesh, or anytime we're doing something that God says isn't right, it's bringing glory to somebody. You know, I want to share something with you. In my struggle with sin, you know, when I get saved, I came out of, uh, you know, there was a point in my life where I was completely addicted to pornography from about 13 years old all the way to about 22 years old. I started to experience some freedom in Jesus. I started to be convicted for my sin. And then all of a sudden, I just remember, I didn't want to do those things anymore. You know, it's funny, my brother's here today. I, I know, I'm sure he remembers the day I stopped being the cool brother that would party. He, I was no longer indulging in the things I used to do. Like, oh, you're not drinking anymore? Like, what happened? What are you, Christian? <laughs> like, what happened to your life? The truth is, I wasn't being a good Christian. I didn't want it anymore. Because I saw what it did to my life when I was indulging in the things just to fit in, just to be part. You know, I was the kid that would drink in high school because everyone else was drinking. I hated every second of it, but if I could just hang out with somebody who cares about me, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. You know, the spirit of rejection just riddling through my life of, you don't have any friends, you don't have anyone who cares about you, but these kids who party like you, you know, this is why people join gangs. This is why people get into drugs. This is why people party, because we just want connection. When you're feeling this emptiness inside of you, we'll turn to any cistern, any broken cistern to just drink from this thing of an empty well. But how many of you know sin does not satisfy your soul? And when I was living in this life and God started to convict me of my sin and he started to lead me out of this addiction to pornography, I remember when the Lord spoke to me so clearly. I said, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me my sin. I was praying Psalm 51 over myself. Really good psalm to pray over yourself if you're struggling with sin. Psalm 51. But I remember this is what the Lord said to me. Said, Chris, you need to repent for letting Satan be your comforter. Let's think about that for a minute. Who do you run to? Who do we run to when we need comfort in our soul? Do we run to sin? 
Do we run to that relationship that you know you're not supposed to be in anymore, but it just feels so right because I just don't want to be lonely anymore. I don't want to be here by myself. Being with somebody is better than being with nobody. No, being with Jesus is the best thing you could have ever done in your life. I'm going to tell you, the relationships that I denied as a single man were the ones that the enemy placed in front of me. Have you ever met someone who gets saved and then they have a girlfriend or a boyfriend like a week later? Nobody? (laughs) Maybe it was you. I don't know. Hey, God can do amazing things, but I found in my life that the ones that I was running into as a single man who just decided to be pure and all of a sudden the girl of my, quote, dreams just shows up, ah, I don't know if that was the Lord. And what I found in those relationships is they were temptations. They were, they were things trying to pull me away from the very reality of I need Jesus in my heart and I need to learn to run to him when my soul is tempted. Here's what the enemy's doing when he's tempting us. He wants us to worship him. But what he's doing is he's convincing you that he has what you need when you're thirsty. Hey, you're, that itch that you want to scratch, I got what you need, bud. It's not. It's a trap. It's a lie. He's saying, hey, if you just, if you just leave your spouse, you'll, you'll be happier. Oh, that woman that makes you feel good, that, that, that person, you, know, you just need that. That, that drink, that drug, that job. I, if, I just, if I just get the right job, God, I'll be happy. No, you won't. It's a soul issue. It's a satisfaction issue in the soul of I need to drink from the rivers of living water. You guys remember the woman at the well? What was she looking for? She was married how many times? The, the five and the sixth person, the person you're living with now is not even your husband? He said, if you just ask of me for a drink, you would get rivers of living water and you would never thirst again. He wasn't talking about a water issue. He was talking about the issue of her soul where she believed if she just married the right person, I'd be happy. You need to find freedom in Jesus. That is what he has given us. That's what he's purchased for us. Amen? So listen, this is a lot of, lot of talking on this one slide, but I just feel something in the room right now that someone needs to hear. That what you're running to over and over again doesn't have to be where you run anymore, and it's not what God has for you. That relationship with that boyfriend that you've broken up with six times and are going back again is not what God has for you. Amen? I know that's not easy to hear, but I remember it's freedom. I remember what that was like. I'm going to skip over here. The truth is, is that Satan doesn't want you to fulfill your purpose. You know, when... In that last slide in the scripture in Luke, you know, after he tempts them to worship him, he says, all right, can't get him to do that. Hey, Jesus, if you jump off this cliff, the scriptures say that the angels will protect you. What is, he, what is the enemy saying to God, to God at this moment? Kill yourself. You know, I just want to speak to the people in the room who have dealt with suicidal thoughts for a moment. Being someone who has attempted suicide and didn't want to live, Why does the enemy work so hard to take you out? What must be inside of you, this calling, this purpose on this earth, that Jesus, he doesn't get him to worship him. He's like, all right, would you just jump off this cliff? Like, would you just end it all? Satan is terrified that Jesus is about to resist him again and step into his full calling and authority to be the Lord on the earth. Why does the enemy work so hard to take us out? And I just want to encourage you, if you're dealing with depression and self-hatred, and suicidal thoughts, we'd love to pray for you at the end. We'd love to surround you with community who can speak life over you. You're not alone in this battle. There's no shame. You don't need to pretend everything's fine anymore. It's not fine. And we as the church, we need to be ready, right? Because have you seen what's going on in Gen Z right now? The suicide rates and the depression rates are through the roof. 
And I've never seen such an attack on a generation. You've got to ask the question, what does God have in store for Gen Z? What does he have in store? You know, my sister's Gen Z. She's here today. What does God have in store for those kids who are dealing with anxiety, depression, confusion? They don't know who they are. They think they're born in the wrong body. There's so much things happening in this generation right now. Why? Because the enemy does not want you to fulfill your purpose. That's what he is after. He wants to stop us in our tracks because there's freedom in Jesus. And if you just taste of him for a moment, you'll never run to that thing again. And that is what the enemy does not want. We have a decision to make, and this decision is, is who will we serve? Here's the thing about sin. You know, I want to speak to us uh, soberly, because Numbers 20, 32, 23 says, if we fail to keep your word and you have sinned against the Lord, you will be sure that your sin will find you out. This verse can be terrifying if you're living in hidden sin. You know, I remember in my struggle with sin that... There was a time in my life where I started to serve the Lord and I was like, oh, I can't struggle like that anymore. I'm in ministry. And you know how many people in ministry are so afraid to talk about their sin because they think they're going to lose what they're called to? And the reason that is because their identity is in their calling, not in Jesus. I got to really be okay in my heart that if I never preach the word of God again from this platform, God is pleased with me. If you've never led worship again, if you never led that Bible study again, God is already pleased with you because you can't earn salvation and you can't earn the the grace and the acceptance of God by your works. If I'm afraid to lose my reputation and hide in my sin, I got to realize sin is going to find us out. You guys have seen the preachers that they're on the tabloids, breaking news, local pastor falls to sin, church destroyed. That's the work of the enemy. Here's the thing, though. The real reality that is is because sometimes in ministry, I'm just going to be honest with you. Can I be honest? We put leaders on a pedestal. We think because, now I'm not saying I'm living in intentional sin and just doing whatever I want. I, I believe with all my heart I am accountable to the Lord and I have a lot of people in my life and I have safeguards and I know where my temptations are. I know where my weaknesses are. I know where the enemy will tempt me. And where I don't know where the enemy will tempt me, I have men and women of God around me that will say, hey, be careful, don't be tripped up. But here's the thing, when we have this pedestal idea of that's the man of God and I'm just the listener, we could never imagine that someone preaching from the pulpit would be struggling with sin. And if they ever were struggling with sin, oh man, I'm never going to that church again. And it's the accusation of the enemy, a bunch of hypocrites here. Listen, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All need repentance. No one is righteous by their own works. No, not one. No one can boast. There is nothing I can stand on this platform and say that I did in my own strength. Because in my own strength, I remember where my life was leading me. I shouldn't be standing here today. So I want to encourage you, pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastors. And there's a grace and an anointing to resist temptation. There's a grace given by God to lead God's people Because trust me, most pastors who are pastors don't choose to be a pastor. Usually they run as far in the opposite direction, right, Greg, as you can. Like, hey, you're a pastor, Greg. Yep, 23 years later or something like that, I'll finally say yes. But there's a preparation and a, yes, there's a burden that is, is in being leadership. But this is just a calling, and our job is not to do all the ministry. Our job is to equip you to do the works of ministry. When we begin to tear down this pedestal that we put leaders on, leaders can start to confess their sin. That's all I wanted to say. And I wanted to speak that. I feel like, again, 
Some of you here have been hurt by leaders who have failed. And that is so hard. I've been, I've been a part of that where they did what? You know, there was a church, I'm not going to say the name of it, but you guys probably saw recently, it completely closed its doors. One of the larger churches in New Hampshire. I was saved in that church by the leader that is under the, the microscope of accusation. That church completely has its door shut. They went from having like 900 people in their congregation to door shut goodbye last Sunday. No more attendance because of sin. Do I have to doubt what God did in me? Am I standing here today because a man that was imperfect was used by God? And because of that man's testimony, I gave my life to Jesus. Is that nothing because he, he messed up? It can't. It can't be. It's so painful and so hard. But I just believe today, when we get into ministry at the end, if you're dealing with that, that shame, condemnation of, like, hey, I, I got close to leaders before, or I, I went to a church, and I, I really believe God was going to move, and, and then they failed me, I just believe there's healing today for that. Amen? Proverbs 23, 31. This is going back to temptation. When I was struggling again, you know, I was going through scripture. My struggle in sin is not sinning all the time. My struggle with sin was trying not to sin all the time. Does this make sense? The struggle with sin. You remember Jesus in the garden? Says he sweat to the point of bloodshed pouring through his pores. And then he says, you have not, he's talking to us, you have not yet resisted temptation to the point of bloodshed. Okay, God, that's a lot. I have never bled through my pores and my resistance to temptation. I don't think he's asking me to bleed through my pores this morning. But what he's saying is, is we are supposed to resist the devil. And resisting temptation is what God has called us to do. You guys with me? This is a verse he gave me. Uh, and obviously he's talking about wine. But look at the picture here. It says, don't gaze at the wine seeing how red it is or how it sparkles in the cup, or how smoothly it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake, and it stings like a viper. This is what God showed me what sin is. Oh, oh man, my, my soul's tempted. I just, I, just, I, just wanna, I just wanna go on my computer. I just wanna go to the bar. I just wanna be in that relationship. I just wanna go see that person. You know what, it's not that bad. When we're tempted in sin and the enemy, he's telling you all the good things this sin will give for you. Oh, come on, it's going to go down smoothly. It's going to feel so good. It's going to satisfy that itch. Come on, come, come to me, come to me, is what the devil is saying to us. In the end, it's a poisonous snake that stings like a viper. This is where temptation is trying to pull us into. You ever seen a snake get its prey? He sinks its teeth in, then what does he do? He begins to constrict around that thing like a boa constrictor, and then he eats it up and makes it no more. We need to make sure in our resistance of temptation, we need to decide in our hearts what are you going to do? Curiosity always kills the cat, right? It kills the cat. Like, oh, I could, let me just look. Gone. It's a slippery slope. I was, you know, this picture of like, have you ever slipped on ice before? Anyone ever taken a hard fall here? That's temptation going, oh, I could, gone. That is how simple it is. And honestly, it's the most sober thing. Because you're like, I didn't want to do that, but I just, I, just, I just entertained it for a moment. We need to pre-decide in our hearts, right? Pre-decide. What are you going to do when the enemy comes and says, just take a drink from me? Right? We need to resist it. And here's the good news. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. First, let's, let's talk about the underlying. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. You know, that slip and fall on the ice, Right? Times I've fallen in sin in my life or when I'm like, I'm good. I could look at, I could watch that show. 
that won't lead. I could, I could follow that person on Instagram. That won't lead to, be careful. When we're standing strong, be careful that we don't fall. But when you are tempted, it says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Your neighbor to your left and your right are being tempted. They may not be the same exact temptation you're going through, but there's temptation there. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Hold the, hold, hold. It's all right. Hold the thought. We'll talk after. Sound good? God loves you, man. I'm glad you're here. God always provides a way out. He always provides a way out. I want to share... A personal story, if I could, as we close. Steve, if you're able, can you come play? So I talked to my wife before I preached, and I asked her permission if I could share this story, because I want to be just honest and personal with you today. You know, when I got saved, right, I'm walking with the Lord. I've shared with you where my struggles were. There was a time in my life I was in a lot of victory, and I was really doing well, and things seemed to be going well, and I wasn't going to those things anymore. I wasn't living in this intentional sin I was resisting the enemy. I was being accountable. When I was tempted, I would tell people I was good. And then I get engaged to be married to my wife, Elise. No issues. And I don't know what happened. I don't remember the story fully, but there was a day that I went back to the thing that I used to go to, and in a moment of weakness, I sinned. And I just remember the, the guilt and the condemnation. Have you ever, you ever felt the condemnation and the guilt of sin? Like when you do the thing you're not supposed to do and you do it, like it is an all-encroaching, disgusting feeling that's like you just want to get out of it and you pray and condemnation doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy. He wants to drown you and, and bury you. You see, when, when the enemy looks at someone drowning in the ocean, he doesn't reach a hand out. He puts his foot on your head. That is the enemy. He's here to kill, steal, destroy, kill. He's here to take us out. I remember the feeling of condemnation And I said to the Lord, Lord, would you forgive me? I can't believe I did this, Lord. Forgive me. He goes, I forgive you. You must go tell Elise what you've done. Go and tell your fiance, your future wife, what you've done. There is nothing more scary in my life than telling the woman that I love that I was not faithful to her in my heart. Again, pornography was my issue. I slip into it. And I, I go to Elise and I said, Elise, I need to tell you something. I, can you sit down? She was like, sure. And I said, hey, I, I sinned. I looked at the pornography. And I was expecting this Holy Spirit bomb to drop in my living room in tears and, oh, I love you. I forgive you. You are free. My wife bawled her eyes out. She was devastated at my sin. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, when you look at a woman lustfully, you commit adultery in your heart. He gave it to me in the Chris Daigle version. He says, when you look at a woman lustfully on a screen, you cheat on your wife. That is what he spoke to my soul. I got to tell you something, guys. When you realize what the enemy is trying to do to us and our marriages and our children and our kids, you will begin to guard and fight like you've never fought ever in your life. Because all of a sudden, something switched to me. My sin no longer affected just me. It was affecting my wife. It was affecting her self-esteem. Well, am I not good enough for you? No, honey, you're everything that I need. I'm an idiot. It goes on. We have this feeling. I brought some leaders in my life. Reconciliation, it was good. We established some safeguards. We deleted some apps. We deleted some social media accounts. We, all the things, we just cut it off. 
Because the Bible says if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. He's not saying lose an eyeball today. What do you need to cut out of your life that is causing us to sin? What decision do we need to make today to remove the thing that is out to destroy you? Because here's how my story ends with this series with my wife. I felt like I was walking in freedom again, but then I, like, we're, in, we're married now. This is year, a couple years later or a year later, and Elise is pregnant with Harper. And I'm having the most demonic dreams you could ever imagine. And they're pictures and, and lust and sin. And, like, I'm waking up. I'm like, God, I'm not looking for this. I don't want this. I don't want this plaguing my mind. Would someone pray for me? I went to a leader, and I said, I need freedom. I need help. Can you, can you pray for me? Because I'm just having these demonic dreams. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit who gave this man a word of knowledge. He says, God is going to set you free from this stronghold that has affected your family for generations. He's going to break a spirit of perversion off of you, and it's going to set you free. We're going to pray right now. I pr- they prayed. Nothing happened. I didn't, I didn't no, no kumbayas, no shambayabas, no falls on the ground. I just, nothing happened. But he said, I want you to go home, and I want you to continue to pray. And as I continued to pray on my drive home, I'm starting to weep, and I'm starting to sob, and I just keep seeing my daughter. And I hear the Lord speak to me. He said, Chris, the reason this is happening is I'm bringing this to the light because this will never affect your daughter if you don't let it. This generational sin cycle ends with you. And your daughter will not have to deal with this stronghold like you've dealt with it. Do you believe that? Do you believe God will set you upon a thousand generations, will save one generation, blesses a thousand? Now, does that mean my daughter's never going to be tempted? No. But I'm standing firm. And I just felt to say as we close today, there are men in this room. You are the spiritual authority of your home. Would you ever let a thief walk in and kick your door in and steal from your family? Would you ever let them harm your children? Of course not. Some of you have a closet filled with a bunch of stuff for those things. (laughs) Do you know that the enemy does not fight with weapons like we know? Do we know that he battles us in a spiritual battle? And if anything comes into our door of our heart of temptation and sin, any sin that I tolerate in my life and I choose to just go on as normal and not repent will be the inheritance of my children's children. We do not want to leave an inheritance to our children of sin and bondage and divorce and breakup and fear and anxiety and depression, but there's freedom in Jesus. And I'm not saying today there's no condemnation. If you're struggling today, there's freedom, but it's deciding today this ends with you. Today is the day of salvation for someone. And I just wanted to say, who will you choose to serve? Who will you choose to serve today? Here's what I want to do for an altar call. I believe there's an opportunity to respond here. I'm going to do another bold thing. I'm just going to be obedient to what I felt like the Lord said to me. I'm going to stand as well. But I also want to make a call of God to the men of God in this room because the Bible says you are the spiritual authority of your home and it's time for you to rise up. There is freedom for you. There's no more condemnation and shame. I just wanted to invite us and celebrate as a congregation. If you're feeling called as a man to be the leader in your household spiritually like you've never been, would you stand now? Would you stand to your feet? Come on, give these people a hand. Just stand to your feet and celebrate. Listen. There's freedom. You can be seated. If you want prayer in this and you want to get someone invited into your life and you want to find freedom in this situation, I want to invite you to come. Prayer team, if you can come to the front. 
we're gonna pray. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus and you've been living a life just doing whatever the world tells you to do or to just date, just premarital this, watch that, look on the internet here. There is freedom for you and we just hope that we could say today, do not let the enemy steal from you. This is a warning to you. That life does not satisfy. You don't have to go down that path. If you wanna give your life to Jesus today, we wanna pray with you. We wanna invite you to come up and receive Jesus. And the last thing, maybe today you're like, you know what, I feel like I'm doing all right. I just need more of Jesus. I wanna invite anyone to come before the Lord. If you need prayer from a prayer person, just feel free to go up to the prayer team. But if you just need a moment with the Lord, feel free to come to this altar and pray. Amen? You know, I shared a lot of my story because I wanna encourage you that you're not alone in your struggle. And I'm willing to lay down any reputation anyone thinks that I am on the altar to let you know the truth of who Jesus Christ is in my life. He has redeemed me and set me free. I am not a man addicted to pornography, but I am a man of wisdom that decides that is not my life anymore. That is not me anymore. It's not what I go to. There's freedom for you, amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in this room. And I just pray right now for the altar ministry, Lord, that you're gonna uh, experience as people come to the front Lord, I pray that you would break chains off of people. I pray that today is the day where addiction is broken off, where pornography is broken off, where, Lord, marriages are completely restored. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna share one last thing. When I told my wife what I did, I asked counsel before if that was a good idea. Sometimes the best thing to do is to go to someone you can trust first and say, hey, I need to talk to my spouse. How do I do it? And it's good to have counsel around you because it could be really difficult. But be led by the Lord, amen? Be led in the Lord, but I just encourage you, be free today, amen? All right. If you wanna get prayer, the prayer team will be here. If not, we just wanna bless you and say, have a great week. We love you and thank you for coming to Shiloh. Have a great day.